0: BestBookBits.com brings you the book summary of the Armchair Guide to Property Investing. How to Retire on $2,000 a Week by Ben Kingsley and Bruce Holdaway. You may be surprised to learn that you don't need to accumulate a 10 plus property portfolio to create a $2,000 passive income in your retirement, nor will you need to spend more than 10 hours a week managing your portfolio when you have everything in place. Sound easy? Well, that's why it's the armchair guide. Of course, when you've started your early retirement and enjoying this level of passive income, you'll probably spend your time traveling, having fun with family and friends, enjoying your sports and hobbies rather than sitting in your armchair. Readers are given all the fundamentals about investing, money, and risk management, as well as the tools to get them started. Learn how to build portfolios which will deliver $2,000 weekly income In your retirement. Summary Each year more and more reports are released suggesting very few of us will have enough savings, superannuation, and investments to comfortably retire on. Many will be forced to work longer in order to fund their retirement. Twenty per cent of the population own over sixty percent of our private wealth and sadly the bottom twenty percent of our population only own just one percent of Australia's private wealth. The top 20% control 40% of all income and the lowest earn, just 7%. If you invest wisely, you can potentially reduce the need to earn more income. As the money you have invested does the heavy lifting instead of you doing it, the money you've invested does the heavy lifting instead of you doing it. If you want blood pumping adrenaline, go jump out of a plane. Successful property investing should be predictable and boring. Successful property investing should be predictable and boring. Zig Ziglar said, you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. Part 1 Foundation The state of our wallet plays with the state of our mind. Property investing is a process, not an event. Your mindset has a massive bearing on your ability to invest successfully. Most Australians who cut corners wonder why they can't get ahead. Understanding and nutting out your own personal belief system around property and the psychology of investing will help you in the long term by allowing you to make sound, measured and qualified decisions. We all want the freedom that a passive income affords us, but there's a difference between the people who do and those who wish, and that's something we've been saying for decades. The doers know that a financial goal without a date is just a dream. Number one, building your own knowledge base. Any talk of money and wealth is actually a discussion about what's important to you to achieve a fulfilling life. In Western society, money is seen as the number one benchmark of success. Money is somewhat a taboo topic; we're taught not to brag about how much money we earn. This is seen as crass or vulgar. On the other hand, nobody likes to their struggle with money socially because it's seen as a sense of failure if we can't manage it or control it. There is also the fear factor. People allow money to control them and they lack the confidence or the ability to manage their money. Furthermore, people get too caught up living day to day, month to month and year to year. How are our attitudes to money formed? Our attitudes to money is molded by the number of sources in our experience, it's our immediate circle of influence. It's mainly through our parents our parents' friends, our grandparents, our childhood friends and their parents, as well as our exposure to media and advertising. So it just goes to show that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and it's likely the people closest to you have conditioned your attitudes. The ill-informed opinions of others that have the biggest impact on our views, use of money and our investment results. Unfortunately, 9 out of 10 Australians' households think they manage their money well. They're living in a fool's paradise if they believe that, because only around 5% of our country's population retire financially independent. Attitude to money is completely individual. It's personal. It's related to what you want and your life ambitions. The greater amount of wealth you have, the better the chance of having an enriched and fulfilled life. Because you have time to pursue your passions, goals, and personal values. Bryce's mindset messages: the desire to really live our full life should get you past the fear of money and invest in for wealth. Most people's greatest fear is the fear of doing nothing. It's undeniable. We need money and wealth. You'll have more time to pursue your dreams and enjoy your financial independence. Positive money attitudes and habits can be learned. Don't let in any further interference from well-wishers. Number two, the psychology of investing. Largely as humans, we take action based on simple greed or fear basis. In a wealth creation sense, the fear of not having enough money at retirement could be the spark for action. For others, the desire to have riches is a greed factor. When we meet a client for the first time and design property investment plans for them, we go through a number of processes. We call this process the four foundation levers. The levers are income, expenditure, time, target. The truth is that most people are living too much for today and not living enough for tomorrow, which is where they make their first mistake. Number three, five essential steps to start. A doctor follows the same five step process we recommend all property investors should take. Number one, clarify. First. They clarify your situation by asking you leading questions about what's going on. Number two, evaluate. Then they evaluate your situation based on all the information they have gathered by talking to you and using their intuition, experience and training to reach a diagnosis about how they can help. Number three, plan. Next, they give you a plan, e.g. a prescription or an exercise program based on what they've clarified and evaluated. They also ensure you have to understood and agree with their plan. Number four, implement. You walk out the doctor's office and are advised to implement their recommendations. And number five is manage. Finally, you were requested to come back in a week's time. This allows the professional to manage your treatment. You tell them what you've done based on the process and the results. It's important to note that the doctor might fine-tune the manage step and ask you to do something else so it becomes a circular loop Until you get better. Looking at the image you can see the five step process. Opportunity. Action. Review. Clarify. Evaluate. Plan. Implement. And manage. Opportunity. The first two steps are about looking at the big picture. Creating the space in your life to take a snapshot of where you're at and where you want to be tomorrow. These steps both take into account your mindset and the four foundation levers which we've just covered. Number one. Clarify. Today's preparation determines tomorrow's achievement. Today's preparation determines tomorrow's achievement. The first step is about understanding you and your household's opportunity or potential. On a practical level, it's about collecting information about your story, both from a personal and a financial perspective. Then it's about goal setting and looking at the short, medium, and long-term perspective centered on what you want to achieve. These are virtually important because it will give you an understanding of of what money will do for you. It will help you identify and communicate your goals and where you want to be in your life today and well into the future. This step is about not just gaining a baseline understanding of your life, but it is also about getting down into the detail. What do you spend on running your household? Bills, food, etc. What are the costs of running your car? What about your phone cost? How about your hobbies, such as your gym membership? Where is all your money going and what's left at the end of the day? To begin to clarify, you need to start with the destination. You might have a dream, but you might not have defined it with a goal. So what's your dream? Financial freedom, more time on your hands, to save for a major event such as a wedding or honeymoon, to be wealthy, to retire at 50, t- to be debt free. Then what's your strategy and preferred investment vehicle to get there? That's the goal. And that's what you need to clarify. Once you've clarified your dreams and goals, you can move through to step two, evaluate. Step two, evaluate. Success is a science. Success is a science. This second step is all about looking at your opportunity and potential by crunching the numbers to help you make good on your goals but it's just as important to understand the future challenges that arise in your life, such as cash flow, which will affect your ability to achieve your goals. So this is where we get into the numbers. Generally speaking, our process is to measure cash flow movements every month for at least 40 years. Understanding cash flow is where the real art lies in successful property investment because it usually involves debt management as well. When we can evaluate, we can really start to show how a plan can take effect. In order to evaluate effectively, we need to cover off three areas. Number one, the money basics. Putting food on the table and keeping the lights on. Number two, the surplus money. This leftover cash often goes to lifestyle, but can also be put into savings or investing. Number three, the bucket list. This can be equated to the big rocks in the jar. What are the must do before you die things? Money smarts. Our system to help you better manage your money, it compromises a number of key principles designed to maximise return on your money, as well as recommended account structure to help you take and keep control of your cash cow. S, surplus. Your surplus money or cash flow is a starting point to create wealth. You simply cannot build a wealthier tomorrow or a financial independence without it. It's where you can capture that surplus and put it to work in either savings, paying down debt or invest in it that really counts. Surpluses are established by typically working through and analyzing your cash flow, income, and expenditure. And it's here where you'll really start to understand your money's potential to make more money. M, mindset. The trick is to adopt what we call the money mindset. By this we mean the ability to accept money simply as a commodity, an available and useful tool. Some see money as a rare beast, scared to spend it so it sits in the bank account without earning or generating maximum wealth. On the other end of the scale are those who have no idea what money cost and opt for a life lived on credit, continuously buying lifestyle goods that over time lose their value or even become worthless. You must conquer the first step on your road by answering this question, am I going to control money or is it going to control me? A. Application. This is about you and your ability to make a real effort by firstly taking an interest in your money, second, making it work harder for you by establishing a plan, and thirdly, being disciplined to see your plan come to life. Application is all about staying the course even when there might be the odd detour. R, resources. When we talk about resources and money management, we're referring to both human and technological resources. Technology is also a fantastic resource. Technology is changing the way we track our money and more options in this space are becoming available each year. T, timelines. A simplistic money model doesn't account for many timeline events. We need to set aside money for having kids, losing our jobs, buying a new car. That's why best practice money managers are fantastic at modeling long-term timelines, which take into account upwards to 40 to 50 years from now, and cater for when we are going to need money and how much. S strategy. When the right strategy in place, all the previous elements will be brought into the fold to deliver the overall money plan to be executed, from initially structuring your money and finances, then measuring surplus cash flows to getting your mindset right and committing to the journey and the discipline required to know the resources and timelines in play. Remember, the tactics will win the battle but the strategy will win the war. Looking at figure 3, the Money Smarts account structure. You can see on the left, the income goes into the primary account and offset account. Goes down below into the loan accounts, which are regular payments to be made from the primary account. On the right side, you will see your payments account, balance to be paid on due date each month from the primary account. This is your credit card, which pays bill payments, fuel, etc. And down below, you've also got your living and lifestyle account, which is your debit card. $400 to be transferred each week from your primary account, which includes your living and personal spending. The primary account, the heart. This is where the Money Smart system starts. Essentially, all your income should be diverted into this account and money should be taken out of this account to fund your expenses. The goal is to use it to capture your surplus income and directed to where will deliver the best outcome. This could be your mortgage offset line of credit or high interest savings account depending on where you are currently sitting on your journey. The payment accounts, credit cards. Setting up a credit card to pay off regular bills and vehicle expenses. You can potentially utilize the bank's interest-free periods. This allows you to keep your money in the primary account for longer, giving you a better outcome overall. The key is to only use it for regular bills and vehicle expenses, not the unplanned or unexpected expenses such as gifts, clothing, restaurants, or luxury items. The living and lifestyle account. The fun money. Anytime we need discretionary money to head out for dinner, for birthday celebrations or presents, this is where it comes from. The best way to set it up is to open a Visa or MasterCard debit card with an automated transfer from your primary account on a weekly basis. Action. Back now to our five-step process. The next two steps are about action. This is where you get to put everything into place you've learned from the previous steps and really get cracking. Number three is plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you successfully manage to clarify and evaluate where you're at, you're ready to start planning. When it comes to creating the timeline for your next 40 years, this may seem even more daunting. The truth is, if you don't have a documented plan then you plan to fail. It's as simple as that. The two critical aspects to the plan stage are strategy and tactics. We believe there are two metrics to help you plan your household. Number one, surplus cash flow. And two, measure of household liquidity. Number four, implement. Turning best laid plans into action. Review. Five, manage. What gets managed gets done. Manage is all about measured and monitor, and checking in, it allows you to take a step back and have a good look at what's been achieved and benchmark those results against your plan. Property investment is not something where you can just buy the paper every weekend and check out whether your stock levels have gone up and down, which plays with your mindset. Instead, great property investment should only take about 10 hours per property a year to manage from your armchair. Property investing is a game of finance. Property investing is a game of finance, whereas buying your own home is a game of bricks and mortar. Just because you live in a property doesn't mean you know how to invest in one. Part two, theory. An investment in knowledge always pays the best interest. Ben Franklin. Number four, the fundamentals of investing. The reality is that the earlier you start investing, the better off you'll be. Both time and timing fundamental to building wealth risk is another fundamental factor everything involves risk and when it comes to money management and investing the stakes can be and are high if we're talking risk it's also important to mention personal risk you are the most valuable asset in your life you are the most valuable asset in your life so you need to ensure you're protected as best you can be you need to take adequate insurance against Any adverse life events that will materially affect your portfolio building, such as sickness and or temporary loss of income. How do you create wealth? Creating wealth has several components and variables, but essentially it's created by accumulation. This is your ability to acquire more assets, income, and savings, which builds greater wealth for you over time. Growth slash return. The measure of the increase or decrease in value of your assets over a period of time. Protection. This is all about the ability to protect the value of the assets. In good times, this should result in the value of your assets growing and in tough times, it should limit the downside risk of the asset losing value. Time, risk and skill. Generating money. There are four ways we access or generate money. Number one is work. This is the most obvious way to obtain money. We can work as a PAYG employee to earn income or can be self-employed and earn money through income and profits from your own business. We give up about a third of our time working on the tools to earn money. And for most of us, it's our primary money generator. Charity slash government support. These are charitable donations or government pensions. This book is all about becoming a self-funded retiree, where you take control of your destiny and you get to choose how much you are going to live on. Investment Returns. This is monetary return from income or increase in capital value. Examples of this include the interest earned on savings with your bank, dividends from your shares held, rental income, and increase the capital value of your investments. Borrowings. It's about accessing money via borrowings to build greater wealth. Fundamentally, most businesses operate by borrowing money every day to fund and expand their operation. Influencing the value of money. Establish whether money is controlling you or you are controlling it. Money costs or controls us in different ways. Do these ring a bell? Living cost, interest on personal debt, credit card interest, car loans, lifestyle, debts, inflation, tax. These are all costs, and in a way they control us because we have to pay them back. Inflation, for example, plays a big part in the value of our money. But because money loses value over time due to inflation, it's not often understood by most and can be hidden cause for people not achieving their wealth goals. Basically, inflation is defined as a general rise in the level of prices and goods and services. Number one, capital growth is basically when the demand for the asset pushes its value higher. And number two, income or yield is when the asset produces an income which could be in the form of rent, dividends, or interest earned from an investment. Two of the best ways we can use money as a means to accelerate the wealth outcome of an investment. These are leverage and compound interest. Leverage. Leverage is the controlled use of borrowed money to purchase part or all of an asset in the hope that it'll make a profit that's more than the interest payable on the borrowing. Looking at figure five, you can see the power of leverage. Number one, we have investment one, which is $100,000 using no leverage, which only gives us a return of $10,000. Where investment number two, you can see using the power of leverage, you can increase that return to $26,000, or 26% of the initial investment. Compounding. The legendary scientist Albert Einstein said, Compounding was the most powerful force in the universe. He also deemed it the eighth wonder of the world. Compounding is essentially the ability of an asset to generate its own earnings, which are then reinvested to generate their own earnings. It can have an excellent impact on your financial position because the growth earned over a period of time is added to the collective principal amount. Looking at figure six, the power of compounding, you can see $100,000 invested at 7% compounded interest. Have a look how it grows in 30 years, 40 years, 50 and 60, the age investors start to invest. So start early. Investing. First, why do you need to invest? Perhaps some of your values are listed here. Greater wealth to provide a better quality of life during the middle and retirement years. Less reliance on government handouts such as the pension. Opportunity for future choice and or to retire earlier. Ability to provide a better standard of living for your family as well as future generations. Philanthropy, access to better healthcare services in the future Investment choices. Let's consider the types of available investments. Essentially, these include fixed interest/bonds, cash, direct property, shares, or alternatives such as real estate investment funds, agribusinesses, wine, art, antiques, collectibles, coins, etc. Typically, you'll have a team of investment professionals to support you along the way, which might include an accountant with experience in trust, companies and self-managed super funds. SMSFs, Tax Minimization and Money Management. A Solicitor to assist with Asset Protection, Wheels, Property Transfers and Guarantees. A Financial Planner, Advise on Superannuation, SMSFs, Managed Funds, Shares and Regulated Investments, Personal Insurances and Pension Planning. A Financial Advisor slash Mortgage Broker for your Credit Planning, Loan Sourcing and Structuring and Money Management. A property investment advisor to assist you with property investment strategies, recommendations and planning. A buyer's agent who will be responsible for selecting, negotiating and securing investment grade property assets. All of these professionals will be equipped to help you get the ball rolling, but you also need to think about where you sit as a long term investor. Looking at figure seven, you can see risk versus return by investment type you can see in the middle somewhere we have the Australian property, which is in the middle of risk, not low and not high. Looking at figure nine, the number of investors with one or more investment properties. The number of investors with only one property investment is 73%. Two is 18, three is five, four and five is two and one, and six or more is one percent. Five, the property investment formula. Our four pillars of property investing formula. A. Asset selection. You probably think you're pretty good at choosing a property to live in for yourself. But what's difficult to acknowledge for the amateur investor is that buying a property to live in is simply a game of bricks and mortar. Buying a property to invest in is a game of finance and there is a big difference. And the two are not to be confused. So the question is which one do you choose? Location. For us, it's never about the property first. Successful asset selection is always about the location, and we start with this and work backwards from macro to micro. A good rule of thumb is that if you're investing for growth, 80% of your return will come from the property's location and 20% from the property. In other words, location does 80% of the heavy lifting, and you get the cream from getting the property selection right. Looking at figure 10, you can see asset selection framework. Up the top, we start with the state. Then we go down to suburb, and then we go to street. Then we look at properties such as the actual property itself, do our due diligence, and negotiation. Everything starts from the macro and goes down to the micro. Position and performance, detailed analysis, identification with brief, and vendor circumstances and price point. Bryce's food for thought. Here are some interesting stats you. There are 9.4 million dwellings in Australia, more than 15,000 suburbs and 2,500 new properties coming onto the market each week. Not all suburbs are investment grade and the investment grade suburbs, not all of the properties in that suburb make a good investment. So the question for every investor is, which one should you buy? Asset selection summary. The take home message is here. Start with the big picture in mind, not the property. If faced with a choice between suburb versus property, always choose suburb first. It's the only way you'll really understand how the property will likely perform. Start with the state, move on to the investment grade suburb, and then get down to the street level. Don't get distracted by shiny taps. B. Borrowing power. One of the key things you'll need to get your head around is having access to money. Money is the vehicle to build your property investment portfolio. If you have borrowing power, i.e. the opportunity to borrow money when you want, this buys you the chance to put your portfolio into another gear. On the flip side, you can have great real estate, but if you get borrowing power wrong, you will hit your lending limit sooner than you would have hoped. What do we mean by borrowing power? Borrowing power is the combination of your income and surplus cash, and then seeing how much money you can borrow to acquire property. The idea is to have the smallest amount of money and equity working to control the biggest property asset base, while at the same time not putting financial strain on the household. Get it right and you're well on your way to a very enjoyable retirement, but get it wrong and you're right back to square one. How do you get borrowing power? For the most part it will come down to one word, income. If you have regular secure income, doors will open and you'll be able to build your property portfolio so as long as you, of course, cover your cost of running your household. C stands for cash flow management. This is possible the hardest part of the four pillars property formula to get right because good and great money management all starts with cash flow. If you can harness it correctly, I'll allow you to tap the surplus in your budget to really help you on your path to wealth creation and successful investment. Without surplus cash flow, you can never invest, period. Your advisors can only take you so far. They can indicate where you're at in terms of your household money and cash flow. But ultimately, the hard work needs to come from you because only you will know the actual numbers required to make the whole system work. Added to this is that everyone has different ideas on what constitutes cash flow management. Step number one, where are our sources of money? The first step to effective cash flow management is to take you back to the start where does your money come from at its most fundamental level everyone has different avenues for earning money whether it's that as a self-employed employee or a -A payg wage earner looking at figure 12 flow of money you can see on the left we have sources of money which is wages or self-employed investment income handouts government or charity or borrowing then we have committed money such as bills fixed payments Provisionings, living expenses and personal discretionary. Warning, the unmotivated money ends up here, which is spillage. And then on the right side we have surplus money, which goes to debt reduction such as loans, savings, super, investments, property or shares. Wealth can only be created in the space on the right. Your committed money is where your money goes, which might be to your bills, payments and other provisionings. But it's also where the unmonitored spending occurs and where you are most likely to run into problems because it takes into account your living, lifestyle, and discretionary spending. Tracking the money that's left over your surplus income is the aim of the whole exercise. Ultimately, what you do with this money will determine the level of wealth in your later life. Step number two, budgets. Here's the funny thing about budgets. They simply don't work. The funny thing about budgets is they do not work. It is a static look at money and cash flow. Replace the need for a static budget and start thinking about allowances. Step number three, cash flow simulation. So it's out with a static budget and in with the great money management solution of forward projecting your cash flows. Step number four, modernizing the JAR system allowances. Work out what money allowances you need for what things each week. Such as Flower Jar Number 1, Living and Lifestyle Account, which is your Visa or MasterCard debit card. Flower Jar Number 2 is your Primary Account, which is also your Offset Account. And Flower Jar Number 3 is your 55-day interest-free credit card account. Looking at D, which is Defense. The final pillar is Defense. While everyone loves asset selection, the love is not so widespread for Defense. That's because while the investor is usually so consumed by the accumulation of assets, they often don't realize that they themselves are actually the most important asset. The easiest way to think about the last pillar of defense is with another word, which is protection. So defense is all about protecting two things. One, the property asset, which could be covered by taking out building and landlords in protection insurance. And two, protecting you, the income generator. Insurances to protect your income and your lifestyle, insurances you need to consider are life insurance, income protection insurance, and total or permanent disability insurance. If you go to the effort of creating a well-defined and well-performing property portfolio without the right defense in place, you're really leaving yourself vulnerable to outside influences that could have a very serious impact on your future wealth you've done so well in planning for. If your income stops, then so does this investment strategy given leverage is involved. Number six, the psyche behind the price. Here we want to show you the science behind what makes an investment grade property. To grade a location and then a property as investment grade requires in-depth research, assessment and a true understanding of value drivers within each property market. There are so many variables that influence property values and it's incredibly how many people get this wrong. One of the great aspects we love about property is that it's bricks and mortar. It's tangible. You can see it, touch and control it as you own it outright. We said before that we favor property over all other asset classes because we believe that over the long term, it's the best vehicle for sustained wealth creation. It's the one thing to grab the paper on the weekend and look at properties that tick a few boxes but it's quite another to actually understand why a property is priced a certain way and make a decision as to whether it will be investment grade. To examine the various market mechanisms, we'll first consider the supply and demand side of the conversation. And then the critical data indicators underline both when it comes to investing. Supply. This is all about making the right decision based on the land and the accommodation stock available. In the land category, your first options is to buy vacant land i.e. farmland. The second most common land supply is the availability of possible subdivisions. This is about looking at what's around now, and then looking at the long ter- longer term availability. If we move away from land stock towards accommodation, we start to talk about property household types. Besides standalone dwellings, we can also consider the current availability of high-rise accommodation, usually apartments. Below is a list of critical supply considerations you need to consider. Existing Availability of Vacant Land Future Availability of Possible Subdivisions to Enter Market Current Availability of Accommodations by Property Household Types such as Sale and Rent Future Availability Planning Approval of Stock to Enter the Market by Property Household Type Lead Type and the Speed at which the Accommodation can be Established and Demand By Demand we mean True Demand, the ability of the owner occupiers to realistically afford what they desire. In other words, their desire to get in and stay in the particular area and their ability to afford the accommodation. Looking at figure 14, we see true demand. Demand equals want and can afford. True demand equals desire to get in and stay in the area and ability to afford accommodation from an owner occupier perspective. Human interest and behavior and economic activity makes true demand. From an analyst perspective, true demand translates as a combination of three key factors. Number one, economic activity. This is the first thing to consider. What is the broader economic activity and what shape is in it at the time? Essentially where do people get their jobs and how likely are those jobs to be secure? Number two, human behavior. This is about getting into the psyche of the buyer. In our case, we're more interested in the psyche of the owner-occupiers because they buy on emotion and desire, i.e. with their heart, as opposed to the investor who's investing for a return, i.e. with the calculator. Delving in a little deeper, this is about the image and the way property represents us and who we are. It includes factors such as status. Buyers can be attracted to properties in blue-chip areas, so they will be perceived as successful. Stigma An area might have associated stigma because of the track's crime and a lower socio-demographic. And this can put off buyers. Number three, human interest. Smart investors ride on the coattails of owner-occupiers. Smart investors ride on the coattails of owner-occupiers who want to live in a particular location. Because that's where they're going to enjoy longer sustained returns as opposed to returns on riskier ventures which experience boom and bust type cycles. When we talk about human interest, we want to know about all the things that make an area a pleasure to live in. Commonly, these are demographic profile and suburb status, lifestyle and amenities, access to public transport and or good transport nodes, proximity to the CBD, shopping strips or centers, restaurants, cafes and bars, proximity to the beach, school zone inclusion which is attractive to families. The risk is that you buy a dud, underperforming property because you failed to consider the psychology behind the price. In summary, the more demand you have, the higher the likely rate of value growth of the property. The lower the demand, usually the lower rate of growth in value. Property Indicators The three key indicators are, number one, Marketplace Indicators. These indicators measure market activity. Number two, Demographic Indicators. These look at profiling factors. Number three, human nature indicators. These measure human interest and human behavior. Marketplace indicators. There are some of the key lead indicators. Stock on market, stock for rent, property search portals, area searches, auction clearance rates, planning approvals, infrastructure approvals, vacancy rates sourced from property search portals such as realestate.com and domain.com.au and days on the market. The key lag indicators to watch out for include median values reported. Vacancy rates as a lagging indicator. Vacancy rates rely on industry reporting and are commonly two or three months old before they're released. The outcome is that you receive a false impression of the market. Financing activity. This falls into a similar category as vacancy rates because the RBA and the ABS delay the release of their stats on financing activity. Search portals such as realestate.com and domain.com.au are getting better at publishing property data. Other great information and data sources include CoreLogic RP data and their property value internet platform. Good sources of on-the-ground information include the provided by valuation firms such as Heron Todd White, Monthly Reports, and Charter Kirk Kramer, as well as a national property investment publications such as Australian Property Investor and Your Investment Property Magazines, the online smart property investment website, and the broader personal finance money magazine. Demographic indicators. Next up are demographic indicators. Simply put, the most powerful component that drives value is people's ability to afford it. So the following profiling factors, which take into account income, age, and education mix, all play a part in the income component required to achieve an outperforming result when you locate areas and properties. Suburb slash LGA, Local Government Area Household Incomes and Ages, Suburb LGA Education and Occupation Mix, Lifestyle and Transport Amenities, Employment and Income Prospects, Short and Long Term, Access and Speed to Mass Employment Centers, Education Facilities, Localised Population Forecast, The Best Source for demographic Indicators is the Australian Bureau of Statistics, ABS, Another Great Source is ID, Home, Brice.id.com.au is a company that forecasts populations and profile demographics. Bryce's tips. Your returns are really governed by the area in which you buy. As a general rule, we think it's an 80-20 split, where 80% of the return is derived from the area you buy in, and 20% comes from the property itself. Number seven, a buyer's decision quadrant. Compromising key four components, the quadrant sets out the framework for decisions that we typically make when we buy property. These are price, location, land content, and quality of dwelling. Looking at figures 15, you can see the buyer's decision quadrant. So repeat, price, location, land content, and dwelling quality. Location. Location is the key, and that is why we always put location as the first and most important component of the buyer's decision quadrant. The location does 80% of the heavy lifting. Location is king, and from a return on investment point of view, don't be like the vast majority of investors who choose property type first and suburb second. It should definitely be suburb first, and then buy the best property you can comfortably afford in that suburb. While location is the first consideration, it's also the hardest to get right. This is because you need to assess true demand, which means working out the areas that are sought after for the right reasons. The key things we look at to establish true demand are what does the area offer residents in terms of lifestyle and employment, the opportunity to earn income. Now, the interesting aspect to location when it comes to investing is that we're really riding on the coattails of the owner-occupier, we're riding on the coattails of the owner-occupier. As we mentioned earlier, they've already done the hard work in creating demand for the area they want to live in, by paying sustained emotional values for those properties. Now it's our job as investors to capitalize on that by swooping in and buying the assets that we know will be sought after by the marketplace. Bryce's Location Tips Another interesting tip for choosing a location is to look for gentrification. This is where wealthier people are moving to a specific area that was once undone and often blue-collar. Gentrification. Price. If the location is usually the first thing buyers look at, then the cost or price of the property is next, and is typically the most inflexible aspect of the quadrant. The budget is an important fact to consider, especially as investors, and there are two key questions you'll need to answer in order to satisfy this part of the framework. What does your household believe it can afford to buy today? How will you sustain that asset over time? You need to remember that it is at its heart, property has significant costs to get into, and these are even more significant when you want to get out. Land content. You need to think about the land proportion as property type, whether you opt for house and land 20 kilometers out of the city, a mid-rise development, or a single dwelling property. The important question to ask yourself is what your money will buy you within a desirable location, as well as how much land you can afford in that location. The important thing to note here is to buy the best property you can comfortably afford in the highest value land area. If you can afford a house, then great. But if you can only afford a townhouse or an apartment, then doesn't see this as a booby prize. See it as a great opportunity to stay in that location and buy the best investment grade property you can get your hands on. Dwell in quality. Is the property the owner-occupier is considering shiny and new, appealing to the evaluated status you want to achieve, or is it dated and fussy? The perfect ripe for renovation property that you can live in short term, but has the option to upgrade in time. Remember, 70% of the market is controlled by the owner-occupiers, emotional buyers. They set the area price and investors we simply ride on their coattails. It's also worth considering that the kind of investor you want to be, because there are a number of different strategies you can adopt. Essentially, it all comes down to whether you want to be an active or passive investor. It all comes down to whether you want to be an active or passive investor. You need to work out this because your property portfolio success hinges on whether you'll be rather sit back and watch the rental income come in, any investment value steadily increase, which is passive, or you'd prefer to get your hands dirty by taking a much more proactive approach, which is active. With the more proactive approach, you'll be looking to manufacture growth in equity and or income by adopting value-add strategies to maximize the potential of your portfolio. Part three, we're getting there, action. Success is nothing more than a few simple disciplines practice every day. Jim Ron. Number eight, learning about you. You've made the decision to join the many Australians who enjoy property investing as their preferred vehicle to reach their financial goals. Next up, you need to work out two key components. Number one, investor considerations. Relating to your ability, desire, skill, and experience as an investor. Number two, tactical considerations. The variables which make up part of your implementation process, these include research requirements, cash flow position, and investment outcomes. Investor considerations. What are your levels of knowledge, experience, and qualifications? Here's a universal truth about human nature. People will choose the line of least resistance, but as with everything in life, the more you put in, the more you get out. It's the same for property investment. What is your level of risk? It's critical to establish your own level of risk that you feel personally comfortable with. No one can make this decision for you, but it will affect the strategies available to you, so it pays to think long and hard about this from the start. How much time have you got to spend? What sort of investor do you want to be? How long do you want to be in the market? What's your current wealth position? Tactical considerations. How much time do you need to spend on area location research? Bryce's tip, remember, effective searching is not just about logging onto real estate websites and sipping on a latte flicking through properties and areas. Start from the macro at state and city level, and then move onto the micro, suburb, localised neighbourhood, street, and finally, property. How much time do you spend on property research? What's my cash flow and borrowing power? What price point can I buy for? When's the right time to buy? And what about... The tax implications. Now, I just want to quickly pause this summary before we get on with the next chapter and want to take a moment to say thank you for watching and listening to this summary. We've currently uploaded more than 700 free video, audio, and written book summaries at Best Bookbits. We'd love for you to become a fan of us at bestbookbits.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to our podcast. You can also help keep Best Book Bits financially alive by checking out our products and services out in the links and show notes below, such as our physical books, downloadable PDFs, subscribing to our email newsletter and consuming our courses and joining our Inner Circle coaching program. Thanks again for being a fan and on with the summary. Number nine, 18 investment strategies. Remember though, that property should only require 10 hours per property per year to maintain if you are a passive investor. Our 18 strategies each fit into one of these four categories. Number one, area strategies for capital growth. Number two, property selection strategies for capital growth. And number three, area strategies for yield or income. And four, property strategies for yield or income. Area strategies for capital growth. Strategy number one, the Proven Performer. The Proven Performer offers a reliable and regular performance, featuring a property location with consistent longer-term capital growth over an extended period of time, say 30 years. Strategy number two, Rare Earth. Rare Earth is about investing in and understanding land and its relation to appreciating values and scarcity. Strategy three, Million Dollar Strip. These suburbs come under the If I Had Unlimited Money, Live here category. These prize winning addresses leverage off very high status and bragging appeal, great dress circle, neighborhood appeal, and wonderful street appeal such as tree lined streets, beachfront, boulevard, etc. Strategy number four changing places, changing faces. This strategy related to the old working class areas such as close to CBDs as possible, they're areas that have been or about to be transformed into hip and happening urban renewal areas strategy number five the city fling the city fling is all about pure lifestyle locations loaded with amenities for young people such as running tracks cafes gyms the beach music and clubs these are the inner city locations with residents who are well educated and have strong disposable incomes for their age strategy number six the wave rider the wave rider is about identifying areas and locations benefiting from the successes of neighboring locations and suburbs. Property Selection Strategies for Capital Growth Strategy number seven, Scare Diamond. Astute investors understand the Scare Diamond very well. It's when the actual dwelling itself has strong owner-occupier appeal, with character and period charm, usually the order of the day. Critically, growth lifting just like a vintage car, rare coin or stamp, that rises in value over time due to its scarcity, and mainstream appeal. High demand means these beauties outperform in value. Growth returns. Strategy number eight, Ugly Duckling. This one's an equity play with an active strategy, where you find a property with good bones and in due course, renovate or restore it. But it can be livable in the meantime. It's usually the short-term quick cosmetic equity gain harvest that makes this strategy so rewarding because the gain can be turned into a further equity release to potentially buy another property, giving you a multiplier of wealth effect. Strategy number nine, the shoulder rider. This one's about focusing on a unit purchase in the best location possible for the dollar outlay. In the right location, you wanna aim for the -the off-the-plan properties to set new price point records for that location. That's how you should ride. Strategy 10, renovator's mission. The renovator's mission is a hands-on approach whereby you make structural changes in an effort to improve an existing dwelling and bring it up to a standard comparable to that of the majority of the properties in that neighborhood. It's really about making old new again. Your focus is on maximizing the potential equity gain here, which we call equity harvesting. Strategy 11, reliable and durable. It might not have the good looks, but it's a solid investment that stood the test of time, age and internally it is very livable, if a little worn. Strategy 12 Size matters. Size matters focus on getting as large of a block of land or a dwelling as possible within the investment criteria that has been set out. Strategy 13 The Piggybacker This strategy is like the shoulder rider, but it's for houses instead of units. The same principle applies where you build an older house that will piggyback off the increase in the new stock in that area that sells for significantly higher prices. Area strategies for yield income. Strategy 14. No vacancies. No vacancies is about finding areas where rental demand is tight, which means vacancy rates are low. These locations can offer higher rental yields due to the underlying demands. Cities with growth rental yields of 5.5% combined with vacancy rates of less than 1 to 2% are prime opportunities. Strategy 15 The Boomtowners The Boomtowner Strategy is a pure area income play. There are usually mining or remote towns and communities that are a draw card, no one would live there. Very strong rental yields of more than 7%. Strategy 16 The Non Aspirers. The non aspira strategies about finding investment areas where rental demand is high. These areas are usually found on the outs- outer suburban ring and are populated by a high proportion of low-income earners and or people of low socioeconomic de- demographic. And last, the property strategies for yield slash income. Strategy 17, the double up. The aim is to produce additional income streams from one property. So think of the classic model of a granny flat or a bungalow or you get the drift as to how this one works. It could be also transforming a double-story dwelling into two homes. Strategy 18, the Slice and Dice. The Slice and Dice strategies involved subdividing land into separate titles or a property into strata titles. It can harvest equity out of the existing land and allow for additional dwelling or several dwellings to be built for further income purposes. And last, number 10, how to earn $2,000 a week. Here are our six case studies for you. Rent Vesta. Our single person who is just dipping his or her toes into the investment market and stepping onto the property ladder for the first time. Dinks. Double income, no kids. This growing market usually comprises of mid-30s couples without children. Couple with young kids. This scenario is all about unlocking the equity in your home and putting it to work. Older couple with kids. Making up for lost time. There's a bit to do here and make it work as you're starting a little later than most. And empty nesters. These guys also fall into the making up for lost time basket, but we show you how it can still be done. And divorcee. Facing the tough challenges of raising a family on a single income, we show you how to protect yourself but provide growth at the same time. Now... For a complete detailed breakdown into the plan, you're going to have to buy the book as it's too much detail for the summary and we'll be here for another hour. So grab the book now, get it on Amazon, get it on Google, check it out if you are serious about property investing in Australia. And that's wrapping the book summary of the Armchair Guide to Property Investing. If you like this summary and want to download the PDF summary, click the link below to access this. And if you want to become a contributor to Best Book Bits and become part of the community, help read books, create summaries, and do audio recordings and be featured on this channel, email me at info at bestbookbits.com or DM me on Instagram at bestbookbits. You can also join our free book club at Facebook. And if you want me to do a book summary, comment, DM me, or email me. Thanks for watching. Listen, hope you got something from this. Go out there, become a property investor in Australia if you are in Australia. Take care. Bye bye now.